Exodus 30, verses 22 through 38. These are God's words. Moreover, Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whoever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. And Yahweh said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacti, and anika, and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound, according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine, and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves, according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for Yahweh. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. We have here the last of the design uh, for the, uh, the material things that are to be part of the tabernacle and be used in the tabernacle. Uh, and he saves for last two recipes, uh, two recipes which thankfully uh, he has kept uh, from us. Uh, several of the ingredients in, uh, in these recipes, uh, the word appears only here or here and one other place. Uh, in a couple instances in the Hebrew Bible, we have no idea uh, what they are. Uh, even some of the English things that they use to translate them, uh, you know, I doubt very many of us here have uh, any idea what Onica and Stacti and Galbanum are. The only reason you've ever heard of frankincense uh, is uh, because of the uh, uh, church's obsession with spending 
uh, a third of its life uh, celebrating man-made seasons, and more than that in other places, but that's uh, roughly how much has invaded the Reformed churches, and I suppose we may be thankful that it is only that much. But that's where you've heard of frankincense, isn't it? Uh, very few of us, oh, I guess the essential oil craze. I uh, shouldn't say craze, that implies craziness. The uh, the rise of the use of essential oils. Uh, you might have heard of frankincense. Maybe you've heard of some of the other ones and you're an expert and you can tell me later. Um, but God gives two recipes at the end. What in the Bible is the point of concluding the instruction for the tabernacle? out of these two recipes. Uh, and what we see in, in the way that he communicates to us uh, the recipes is that God is emphasizing in at least four ways the greatness of the holiness, the uh, intensity of the holiness of drawing near to this God uh, in his worship. Um, the... Uh, the uh, organization of the sermon, uh, looking at and considering how in all of these different ways the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, and uh, one of these by itself in, in a passage would have reminded us God is holy and his worship is holy and drawing near to him is a weighty and sacred thing. Uh, and yet all four of them and, and several of them very different from one another. Uh, just all compound uh, upon one another. Uh, it reminds me of a television show we used to enjoy. Uh, there have been a few varieties of it, uh, Iron Chef or Iron Chef America, and there would be a theme ingredient, uh, and you'd have to, uh, the person who was battling against the Iron Chef, the cook who was battling against the Iron Chef, would have to find uh, multiple different dishes, come up with multiple different dishes, each of them using the theme ingredient and each of them using the theme ingredient in a way that communicates it uh, in a unique and compelling way. Well, the theme ingredient of the anointing oil and the incense and the passage relating them to us is the holiness of God. Uh, and so he lays before us a meal, as it were, of God's holiness four ways. First, holiness by prescription. Um, we are accustomed to using the phrase regulative principle and God's great mercy to us. We come uh, from a theological line in which the application of the second commandment is understood uh, uh, in its connection with the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that he who would tell us all things, especially with respect to how God is to be worshipped, he has come. He was there uh, at the well with the woman as she asked her question. And uh, and Jesus said, no, actually, uh, the Jews are right. Uh, I believe you know, Jesus taught the regulative principle there himself, said they know what they're doing. You've been doing it wrong all this time. It's basically, he says, it's the mercy of God the Samaritans still exist. He's been patiently putting up with all of your false worship. Um, but the time is coming and is now here where you don't get there. Uh, you, you don't gather rightly unto God by gathering on the mountain. And you don't gather rightly unto God by gathering in Jerusalem. 
but you gather rightly unto God by gathering in spirit and in truth. Uh, and the time was coming and now is. Uh, so we use the word regulative principle, but it's here in our passage more as the recipe principle. The Lord gave them to the gram how to make the oil with which to worship him, how to make the incense with which to worship him. He is a particular and precise God. Um, I should have uh, looked it up, uh, but you uh, remember the uh, the godly minister, the godly theologian uh, who was challenged and said, why do you always have to be so precise? Uh, and he said, because I serve a precise God. Well, isn't that what we have? It's in Exodus 30, 22 through 38. A precise God. Uh, and, uh, you know, perhaps maybe one of these days when uh, you're trying to reason with uh, a dear evangelical who wants what they think is freedom, but is really just uh, being lost and left to our own desires, which we just sang, by the way, didn't we, in Psalm 81, was God's judgment on Israel when they departed from him. He let them go to the desires of their hearts. Uh, but you're to, maybe one of these days when you're, uh, when you're having this discussion of the right way of worshiping God and that it's only, only, only in the way that God has commanded uh, and they say regulative principle, you could say, well, you could also call it the recipe principle. Have you considered, uh, and really, have you considered all, you know, the whole second half of Exodus? Uh, and uh, as we get to just as Yahweh had commanded Moses, just as Yahweh had commanded Moses, just as Yahweh had commanded Moses, just as Yahweh, just as, just as, uh, and over and over again. Well, here we have it at the end uh, of Exodus uh, and we don't want to depart from the prescription because don't we see uh, as the book of Hebrews opens up why, why not go back to the recipe? Why not go back to a tabernacle? Why not go? Didn't God give them the tabernacle? Didn't God give them those sacrifices? Didn't God give them that priesthood? Didn't God give them that oil? Didn't God give them that incense? Well, yes. Because God was going to give them Christ. And it was always by looking forward to him that they were to use tent and altar and table and incense altar and uh, bronze bowl on a bronze stand and the anointing oil and the incense. Christ is the great prescription for God's worship. Isn't Jesus doing the same thing with Philip? Uh, and the disciples in John 14, as he was doing with the woman at the well in John 4, when he says, you know, where I'm going, you cannot come, but you know the way. And they say, how will we know? We don't even know where you're going. Isn't it the same answer as in John 4 about the right way to come to worship? I am the way and the truth and the life, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's, it's a text that does teach us something about justification, but it's also something that teaches us, uh, it's also a text that teaches us something about the second commandment and the regulative principle and the way of drawing near to the Father. We draw near to the Father in Him who now stands in heaven and says, Behold, I and the children whom you have given me. So the holiness of God's worship by prescription, by recipe, 
by regulative principle, uh, or as uh, G.I. liked to say sometimes, by scripture principle, right? Uh, and really just drove home the point. Well, you can worship the way God has written, or you can worship the way you want. Which of those two should you choose? Every one of you children know the answer to that question, don't you? If God wrote to you the way to worship, which should you do? What he wrote or what you feel like would be really worshipful? What he wrote, of course, and you know, the child looks at you like, I think dad might, uh, uh, might need a little bit of help. He's, he's asking questions that are very obvious and for which there would be very bad repercussions if you got that wrong. Uh, and yet, uh, such, uh, such is our dullness towards God, the dullness of our minds, the coldness of our hearts, uh, that we quite often get it wrong, don't we? Well, that's holiness one way. Holiness, not just in the fact that there are recipes, but by way of this anointing. It shall be a holy anointing oil, he says at the end of verse 25. Uh, and then uh, everything gets anointed. You get anointed, and you get anointed, and you get anointed. Tabernacle gets anointed, art gets anointed, and you think, oh boy, it's the really special pieces that uh, that get anointed. And, and then um, the table gets anointed, the utensils of the table get anointed, the lampstand gets anointed, the utensils of the lampstand get anointed, whatever you're trimming wicks with and uh, and so forth, the uh, the altar of incense gets anointed. The altar of burnt offering gets anointed. All of the utensils for the altar of the burnt offering get get anointed. Even the labor and the base, which aren't really part of the uh, of the the worship paraphernalia, but are the place where they go to wash before they start doing the service of the tabernacle or the service of the altar, uh, as we uh, heard about uh, last Lord's Day uh, in God's great mercy to us. All of these things get anointed. They get consecrated. They get most holy. And then whatever touches them must be holy. So you know what else has to be anointed? Aaron has to be anointed. And his sons have to be anointed to, to show their holiness so that they uh, would be right to touch the holy things. You see, God anointing, consecrating all of these things with holy anointing oil. You know who else is anointed? The Lord Jesus Christ, the groom of Psalm 45, that condensation, as it were, of the Song of Songs uh, with the, the Cliff Notes version uh, there in the Psalter in Psalm 45. And it says of the groom of the king that he is anointed with the oil of gladness above, separate from, in distinction from all of his companions. And then when uh, the Holy Spirit is giving us in Hebrews the uniqueness of Christ to be the leader of worship as the God-man who has atoned for us. Things that you could never say about any angel. Things that you could never say about Moses. But worship is led by the Lord Jesus from heaven through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus that consecrated to us this worship that we can be gathered to God in Him. What is part of what he says there in Hebrews 1 and verse 8? I believe, verse 9. Hebrews 1 and verse 9. That he is anointed, anointed with the oil of gladness. Quoting from Psalm 45. You see, all, all of this anointing using oil was one thing. But the oil, as it were, with which Jesus is anointed as our tabernacle, as our altar, as our lampstand, as our table, as our wash basin, 
as our priest is the very joy of the living God himself. He is consecrated with his character, with his delight in God as God. And this is the one through whom we come to worship, in whom we come to worship, and who communicates to us in his worship his own pleasure in God. So that you and I, who know that we don't delight in God like we should, we are given a day, and we are given an assembly, and we turn our feet and our thoughts and our words and our desires from everything else to what that day is for, and in that assembly to what that assembly is for. And he says, if you call that day a delight and you take delight in it, it will be the means by which he does what to us or he makes us to do what? Then your delight will be in Yahweh. The oil of the gladness of the Lord Jesus Christ with which he is anointed. And he sets us apart as holy in himself. And he calls us saints, which means holy ones. And he pours out his spirit on us, who is his Holy Spirit, who produces fruit in us that is love and joy. Holiness of worship by prescription. Holiness of worship by anointing. And an anointing that we assume, uh, even the word quality spices and the similar word for the incense recipe for sweet spices, we aren't sure what they are. Uh, those are guesses. Um, uh, yeah, it's a couple more of those one, one words. But we assume they smelled good. We assume... Uh, or, or we may infer is a better word. We may infer from the text uh, that it communicated pleasure and delight and probably richness, greatness. So it communicates the, that he and drawing near to him in worship is holy by giving them a recipe uh, and by giving them these recipes and by the anointing use of the oil and then by the exclusivity of the use. Beginning in verse 32, it shall not be poured on man's flesh, meaning any, any other man's flesh. It's only for the, the things of the tabernacle and for those who are being consecrated as holy that they may touch it nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy and shall be holy to you. It's only for this use. It's exclusively for the worship of God. And he gives them the recipe for the incense. And then he says in verse 37, but as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its, and he uses a word here that means proportions. Uh, and this is actually kind of difficult because it's equal amounts of uh, stacti, onica, galbanum, and frankincense. So they actually, it wasn't just that they weren't allowed to have the ingredients. They were not allowed to make any incense that was four equal parts of four ingredients. So you, even the measurements of the recipe were exclusive to this. It shall be to, to you holy for Yahweh. Whoever makes any like it to smell it. Um, 
you know, perhaps you have been uh, perfume shopping or cologne shopping uh, and there's a designer, whatever, uh, fragrance uh, that uh, you aren't uh, one of those fools who loves frivolity and is going to find yourself poor like the uh, catechism class we're hearing about. So you're not going to spend $150 for you know, 0.75 ounces of something because you know, some pagan's name is in fancy letters on the bottle. But you might go and you know, pay seven bucks for a giant spray bottle of things that you know, evaporate with the using. You know, it smells good for about you know, 0.3 seconds after it comes out of the nozzle. And it's our version of whatever. No, you're not to try to get that which comes and that which belongs only to the holy worship of God from anything else, from any other experience. You're not to give yourself in that consecrated way to anything else but the holy worship of God. You are not to pray to saints. You pray to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not to sing the hymns of your favorite sports team. We won't comment now on whether or not fight songs are appropriate to exist. But where they exist, you had better watch your heart. That you not sing with all your heart the praises of anything other than the Lord God. You should not listen to or watch your favorite health guru on YouTube with a submissive heart that is willing to hear whatever he instructs and do whatever he says, the way you are to listen to the word of God preached in the public worship of God. There is the coming through Jesus Christ for the re in the recipe of how he has designed his worship that is consecrated to God alone through Christ alone. His worship is holy. And he is holy. You see how the holiness of his worship is communicated in these different ways. By the way, if we introduce new exclusivities, if we introduce, for instance, a new priesthood in which only some do the singing, in which only some play the instruments, did you know that the the singing of the choirs and the playing of the instruments was attached to the temple for particular priests who were consecrated for that work in the temple period set apart by David as a prophet in that case for that. When we introduce new consecrations, you know, the choir or the worship band or the pianist or the organist or, or whatever, we run afoul, don't we, of this glorious new reality that Jesus is the priest and that every one of us now sing his word and admonish one another. And we are admonished not just by a select group of the, uh, of the people of God who have been consecrated unto that, but by Christ 
who has consecrated for himself an entire congregation of people to admonish us. So that when I hear my dear little friend who picks 32A and B every single week, and she and others her age and sometimes even younger are singing the word of God in union with Jesus Christ and admonishing me, there is a consecration there that is higher and better and fuller than any oil had ever set apart a son of Aaron, a descendant of Aaron for the temple worship. We've lost that, haven't we? By diverting to from and adding to the recipe that God has given us. Well, the fourth one, holiness by gravity of penalty. Yeah, there's the why do you have to be precise complaint, and there's also the why do you have to make such a big deal out of it? Well, tell me, does God make worshiping in the way that he has prescribed out to be a big deal? Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people, with reference to the oil. The incense, verse 38. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, shall be cut off from his people. How great is the intensity of God's commitment to himself. Which, by the way, that is the fundamental nature of holiness perhaps you have heard it said and and yes the way the word is often used in in context in the scripture is otherness or separation but god is holy in himself before there is anything from which to be separate that is not the core of the word the core of the word is the intensity of god's commitment to himself So that even within the triune God, the Son says to the Father, Holy Father, talking about the glory that he had with him from before the world began. And not saying that there's any separation. That would be be a gross uh, heresy against the doctrine of the Trinity, wouldn't it? If you thought that the Holy Father was somehow separate from the Son and the Spirit within the triune God the intensity of God's commitment to himself, which, when he has made things, is expressed in how separate and other he is from all those things that he has made. And how intense is it? If someone made an oil or an incense that was like this, or if someone took a drop or a smidge pinch to burn, and used it for anything else. They were to be cut off from his... This is at the minimum excommunication. Put out of the covenant assembly, no longer having access to the worship of God, losing their identity with the people of God, losing their inheritance in the place of God. And with Israel as a church and a state at this time, It is quite possible that verses 33 and 38 are describing not just excommunication, but also execution. But it is as a minimum excommunication. 
Do you think God cares that He be worshipped in a way that is holy and exclusive? So how do we apply this? First of all, worship only the way that He says. That's obvious. Second of all, if He has consecrated His worship to Himself, worship as excellently as we can. And so the way we make decisions about worship for things that He has not prescribed for us, He hasn't um, he hadn't given us the recipe, for instance, for the bread or uh, told us uh, you know, how to make the wine. Uh, although if you try to stop it from being wine, then that's obviously not obedience. He hadn't told us what time in the morning, what time in the evening. He hadn't told us to use a building. He hadn't told us what kind of seats. He hadn't told us what temperature to keep the room or to, you know, even to have a room necessarily. Well, how do you make these decisions? You make these decisions according to the light of nature to obey as well as possible what he has commanded. And so if he says sing with all your heart, you try not to pick songs with unsingable tunes. It is very difficult if you're using 90% of your mind and 95% of your effort just to, to, to stay within the musical boundaries to be singing with all of your heart. But if someone has selected for you a text to sing that very closely opens up uh, and responds to whatever the passage was that we just read and heard and has provided in advance the text and, and the written tune and recordings of the sung tune so that you can practice all week, that you come Sing with all your heart the holy worship of the holy God in the Lord Jesus for which He's consecrated you as a nation of priests, the priesthood of all believers, and now we admonish one another with, in song in His holy worship. Sing with all your heart. Pray with all your heart. Especially if you have prayers that are formed from Scripture that have been prepared and thought upon. Uh, that an ordained man that has been set apart for leading us because we're all praying through Christ. That you spend the extra effort to, to, to stay awake and listen and agree with your heart and offer yourself to God and plead and rejoice and whatever else the prayer is doing. Listen with all of your heart. Take the supper and be strengthened and gladdened and assured with all of your heart. So worship, just as he says, worship as excellently as we can. Uh, there's a bunch there from Hebrews 12, but we're longer than usual for an evening sermon. <laughs> Preach with all your heart. Our God is still a consuming fire. He's still to be worshipped with reverence and awe. He's still to be worshipped with humility and submission and receptivity. He's to be worshipped with confidence as those who come through to God who is our Father and Christ through Christ who is our mediator whose blood speaks better than Abel's. And for all of these, the concluding application Worship by grace. Isn't it wonderful that he doesn't just say, 
Therefore, let us worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. No, he says, let us have grace that we may worship acceptably with reverence and awe. You see, God provided the oil and God provided the incense. God provided the recipes. God provided the wealth. God provided the uh, ability to get them. God provided the skill. God provided the perfumer who had the skill. God provided all of those things. But now, God has provided Christ and God has provided His Spirit. You say, I don't, I don't listen that way. I don't sing that way. I don't pray that way. I don't preach that way. Yes, but Christ has it in him for you to sing that way, for you to pray that way, for you to hear that way, for you to preach that way. Worship by grace. Proud, dead effort can ape, can imitate the externals of all these things, but only the Holy Spirit applying to us the Holy Christ can produce this sort of worship that comes by grace in the heart. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for bringing us into the knowledge of yourself and adoration of yourself and delighting in yourself that you and the Son and the Spirit have as you live and reign from everlasting to everlasting in yourself For you alone are God and you are holy. And we thank you that for us who aren't just creatures, but who are sinners, that you have atoned in Christ, that you have given your spirit to unite us to him by faith, that the oil with which he is consecrated is gladness, that we in union with him may be consecrated unto you for your worship, even as he gives us your gladness. And so we pray for the help of your spirit that we would know your holiness and the holiness of your worship and that you would give us grace to worship you acceptably with reverence and awe. O our God who are consuming fire and who have by your fire consumed our sin so that we might draw near to you. Keep doing it, we pray, until the work is perfected by your Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.